If you're a trainer listening today, you got to win the caring game. Like you got to, you got to care. You got to, you got to care more than the 30 other businesses in your town or your city because the competition is keen these days. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% saving for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for face-to-face learning, network members also save on standard rates for Filex, the fitness industry convention. In this episode, renowned trainer, coach, and industry educator Todd Durkin chats with the Fitness Industry Podcast's Alicia Smith about the life-changing effect of discovering your true purpose, overcoming turbulence en route to soaring high, the power of daily routines, contagious enthusiasm, and much, much more. Todd Durkin, thank you so much for joining me on the Fitness Industry Podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Super excited. I've been a massive fan of your work for a long time. I saw you first present at CamFit Pro a long time ago. Sure. And I'm just so thrilled that we could have you back here again this year in Australia. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Awesome. So we're going to talk today about your blueprint for success in life and business. There's Mm. absolutely no doubting that you are a massive success in the fitness industry. You've trained NFL athletes. You've trained Olympians. You've been recognized in the top 100 most influential fitness experts or fitness professionals in the world, and that's just the beginning. That's the tip of the iceberg. So what is it that drives you to do the work that you do? Uh, Without question, it's purpose. I have found my purpose, discovered my purpose over years and years of studying what I want to do for my for my life, really. And that's never easy when you're trying to figure things out, especially when you're in your 20s or even sometimes in your 30s, you're trying to like, which way do I want to go? And for me, what really fires me up now is knowing that I love to inspire and motivate people to be their best. I mean, that's what drives me. That's what wakes me up in the morning. When I look at my purpose, it's it's to have the passion and the purpose to create impact. How did you figure that out? Because that's, that's <laughs> no small task. Right. Was there like a moment, was there a day where you woke up and you're like, oh, that's what I've been working towards this whole time? I think there's a lot of things that happen in life that throw you curveballs. And sometimes it's adversity and sometimes it's successes. Sometimes things happen that you don't know why when it happens. You look back a year or two or five later and you're like, aha, that's why that happened. And a lot of times, honestly, it wasn't just training the pro athletes, it's training the everyday Joes and Janes, the grandmas and grandpas that continuously day in and day out give you feedback that either either moves your soul or it doesn't. And for me, when you look at like the five languages of love, like I'm a guy that loves feedback, verbal feedback and praise and acknowledgement. And just in the 20 plus years that I've been really, really deep in this industry, I realized at an early age that I loved the the feedback that I got from people and saying, thank you, you made a difference in my life, you changed my life. So that only snowballed and got deeper as I was like, I like this, I, I, I really enjoy this because I felt like I was making a difference. And at the end of the day, I think most people want to make a difference. You've got to find out what it is that you want to do and why you want to do it. 
Yeah, for sure. So what for you, because obviously contribution is obviously a really important part of what sits underneath Mm. that personal mission, what is your, you know, what's the way that you like to contribute the most? How do you feel like you make the most impact in the work that you do? Well, there's several ways, I think, and I constantly ask myself that question, how can I make the biggest and most impactful contribution out there? And that often takes time, by the way, stepping back and out of the chaos that we live in on an everyday basis, because sometimes we're just busy being busy and we don't know if we're being maximally effective. And for me, it's actually stepping away and getting more mellow yellow time, what I call mellow yellow time (laughs) and blue sky time. When you're working on yourself or working on your business, it's imperative that the more success that you get, that you go deeper vertically versus horizontally, you become more of a strategist than an opportunist and you work on your strategy of what you want. So for me, it's stepping away sometimes from the chaos and taking some breaths and really reflecting upon, you know, number one, gratitude, because that puts you in an attitude of how you can best serve. And then two, when you really seek out your deepest purpose and you hear the whispers, what are those whispers saying? It's usually not the shouts, it's the whispers. The whispers that say, this is how you can maximally contribute to your community, to your zip code, to your country, to the world, whatever it may be, depending on how big your vision is. So, I think the big thing for me is just constantly making sure that I'm taking the time for me to make sure that my action steps are aligning with my purpose. And so with the taking the time for you, how do you know if you're not doing enough of that? Like what are the triggers or the signs that you start to see if you're not honoring that need for you to take that time? I'm tired. I'm cranky. I'm not a good dad. (laughs) I'm not a good husband. (laughs) I'm not a good leader. I think all those things, like it's when you're constantly just, you're you're, you're frustrated Mm -hmm maybe even burn out, you're not fueled. And I think, you know, it's impossible to stay 100% positive all the time, right? People always say, oh, how do you stay like that? I I'm, I don't. There are times when I'm really quiet and yin, believe it or not, and I'm, I, I kind of like shut the outside world out so I can go inside. And I'll say, and you know, do I love what I'm doing right now? Do I absolutely love it? One thing I've been saying to myself recently, if it's not going to matter in three years, don't spend more than three minutes on it. Like, is it going to really make a difference in a few years? I often ask the question to the folks I mentor is find the the things that you most love to do. And if you could define those roles into five different roles, what are they? You know, we all wear lots of hats, depending on our listeners today, depending on the hats that you wear, which ones most move your spirit? Typically, if you spend time doing the things that you love to do, your passion and your energy is going to be fueled by that and it's going to perpetuate that. And all of a sudden now you're going to feel like, wow, like I really am energized by this because you're living by purpose. So define the five roles that you love to do. And once I did that, and that was about 10 years ago, and I spent more of my time in the things I love to do, I often say that if you can spend 80% of the time in the five things that you love to do, you're going to be fueled by your passion and your purpose. If you're spending too much time on things that you don't love to do, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to be down. You're going to be like, man, I don't know if I love what I do because you don't. So that's how I live and you know live my life. That's amazing. You have like such an incredible dynamic energy, like an intensity 
are you this all the time? Like I know you said that there's sometimes there'll be off days, but is the Todd Durkin that's so passionate about the work that he does also the same level? Do you bring the same level of energy and intensity to your personal life and, and the rest of your world as well? As long as it's one of those five things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, and I've defined it and I'll, I'll share it with you. Yeah. I mean, the five things I love to do, I love to train. I love to train people. I love writing. I love speaking. So writing, you know, whether it be blogs or posts, books, the speaking aspect. Uh, when I'm up on stage, I realize I can reach hundreds, maybe thousands of people at one time. Podcasts like this. Like, I don't know who, who's listening today that might be like, get an aha moment and say, I have got to recalibrate. I've got to recalibrate some of my priorities and I got to start training again the way I used to. I got to start eating better. I got to start spending time learning 30 minutes a day on personal growth. I love leading. I love leading, you know, my team back in, in the States in San Diego at Fitness Quest 10. I love leading within this industry and I love family time. I mean, I'm a, I'm a father of three kids. I'm a husband of 17 years. I love family time and that fuels me. So if it's one of those five things, I bring the same passion. Like when I'm with my kids, I bring the same passion because I love that. It's when I'm doing things I don't love to do that I'm not fueled and my energy isn't the way I want it. So again, is it realistic to always do the things you love to do? No. There are there times and you're going to have to do things that you don't love to do? Yes. But if you can prioritize those five roles, those five hats that you most love and spend the majority of your time doing those things, I believe ultimately you're going to be happier and you're going to have the energy that's vibrant, radiant, and ultimately what I call contagious, right? It's contagiasm, contagious enthusiasm. Contagiasm. I love that. I'm going to use that. I love it. Hashtag. Contagiasm. Hashtag contagiasm. <laughs> now, you mentioned that 10 years ago was sort of when you found what you really, I guess, what the purpose was. I often think that change happens through either inspiration or desperation. Mm. So what was it for you? Like what created that that change that made you go, okay, I've had enough of doing whatever that was before that's not working and now I'm on to this next thing? I don't think it was desperation. I think it was definitely inspiration. I think it was just when I do my soul searching and asking myself, how can I best be utilized? Like how in my divine purpose can the gifts that I have – best be shared with the world. I think it's going deep and saying, how can I maximize my potential? Because I felt even back then that I had so much more to give and I didn't always know how I was going to do that. Like I just felt like, you know, I, I have more to share with the world. And sometimes people think that, you know, people are an overnight success, but you realize it takes 10 plus years to get there. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of long nights. It, t it takes weekends, sometimes sacrificing with your family uh, or, or lack of family time. Or it takes, you know, you work on a project and you don't know if it's the right thing you should be doing, but you do it to the best of your ability. So I think it was more inspiration of how many people is this going to impact? And I call them lily pads in life when I reflect on even the last 20 years when I opened my business in January of 2000. There were certain lily pads that catapulted me up the ladder, so to speak, in the industry. But I realized what created those lily pads was the day in, day out training people in the trenches. Not only the, the world class athletes, 
I mean, that's part of it, but it was a lot of the everyday Joes and Janes coming in just because they wanted to feel good. They wanted to look better. They wanted to smile more. They want to get rid of stress. It was the maniacal focus on changing those people's lives that eventually put me in a position where I received some accolades and some of my athletes, you know, received some incredible awards and won Super Bowl trophies and world championships and gold medals and things like that. But that's a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of time to get there. You know, the old 10,000 hour rule, sometimes I think is more like the 50,000 hour rule, <laughs> but there's no substitute for expertise and experience. And I think for me, I've always been a huge advocate in ongoing learning. For me, the times that where I'm not investing personally in my own growth, I get stale. So even though I in I have a mastermind group, even in my mastermind group, like I'm constantly giving my experience, but while I'm giving, I need to be growing myself as well. I often say you can only go as far as you grow. And that applies for any one of us. Like, doesn't matter if you've been in this field for 30 plus years, you've got to keep growing. If you're young in this field, in this industry, or you're a new leader or CEO or president of a company, like there's a lot of leadership things to learn. So whether it be reading books, whether it be listening to podcasts like this, perhaps it's attending a live event. I always say attend three live events a year, two within the industry and one outside the industry in personal growth and leadership and business, something that's going to make you think outside the box and work the other side of your brain. So for me, uh, those are the the principles in which I live. And uh, I'm constantly trying to grow myself as well so that I can be all that I'm supposed to be. So what has your attention in those realms at the moment? So, you know, what education are you looking at? What podcasts are you listening to? What books have your attention at the moment? Man, good, good question. Well, it depends on the day because I have a stack of 10 books next to my bed. And depending on what kind of mood I'm in, you know, I typically, it could be on leadership. It could be on a faith-based type things. You know, the book Soar right now by T.D. Jakes. I've, I've, I keep rereading that book about soaring and how we often hit turbulence before we actually soar. I like that. I like that because I think we all want to be at the height. You know, we're at the top of the mountain, but we realize it's all about climbing. It's about the climb to get there. It's focusing on that process. Podcasts every day. Uh, I try to spend 30 minutes of my time and I'm typically doing some fasted cardio early in the morning before the kids and my wife wake up. I'll listen to a podcast and the podcast, once again, it, it might be an entree leadership by Dave Ramsey. It could be a Joel Osteen podcast on uh, a faith-based it could be something on marketing. Uh, it could be on something that has nothing to do with fitness or leadership, right? So, but every day I try to do something for myself just to fuel my own spirit. That's great. And you mentioned turbulence there. I think that's a really great word. What turbulence have you experienced in your career that you've had to try to make it through or that you've tried to, that you've had to overcome mm. to get to where you are now? Well, I think, you know, for, for anyone listening today, I think who you are today is certainly a product of all of your past experiences, good and bad. But sometimes people think, yeah, but Todd, you wouldn't understand like my background. And sometimes the more junk in the trunk, I always say, the better. Because like I often say that everyone has a life worth telling a story about what your story and who you are today is perfect for where you're going tomorrow. Use your story to propel yourself to where you want to go. But how do you do that? If you're stuck in your head and you have head trash and you have stinking thinking that's robbing you of who you're supposed to be, that's where you got to focus your time is in getting your mind right. 
like literally winning the battle between the ears is a huge aspect of being all that you're supposed to be and not saying, I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough certifications. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough money. I can't make that move now. That's all limited stinking thinking that's holding you back from being who you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to go. So, uh, so much of, of what I focus on with my athletes and my clients is up top between the ears and in the mind and myself. Always, like literally when I'm in, in there doing my facet cardio, people often say, well, Todd, how often do you practice your keynote speeches? I'm like, I give myself a keynote speech every single day when I'm, when I'm working out, I'm talking to myself and I'm literally giving myself my own pep talk, reminding myself of who I am and why I do what I do. Cause if you don't, you'll forget it. So that's how I live. And, and I think there's some specific routines that I follow that allow me to, to, uh, to achieve some success. Can you tell us more about those? Because you're, you're just such a high performing person, such a high achiever. You obviously are the kind of person that sets your mind on something and then goes after it and, and makes it happen. So what are those additional routines or strategies that you employ that have led you to be able to do that? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a good question. But before I answer that, let me just follow up with something. Like you asked about adversity. People always like to hear adversity, mm-hmm. right? Like they, like they like to hear like, no, he doesn't have adversity. And you know, even where I am today is because of a lot of the adversity I faced. If you don't know my story, you know, when I was studying kinesiology in college, my father at the age of 58, I was a senior in college. I was just 20 years old. He passed away of a massive heart attack. That threw me for a major loop in life. I was just 20 years old. And it was something that questioned everything, my whole existence, my faith, where I was going and who were my biggest supporters. Like it was a really, really tough time. Five years later, I was playing professional football and I hurt my back. And my dream was to always play in the NFL. It wasn't to be a trainer, to be a coach. It was to play American football. And I had a devastating back injury, three herniated discs, spinal stenosis, degenerative back disease. I was left motionless on a football field and my dream was shattered uh, to play in the NFL. And what I didn't realize at the time as I went on a whole journey to heal my back pain, for several years I sought out gurus and healing and I I went to everyone you could possibly go to in the both Western world and the Eastern world. And what I didn't realize at the time was I was going through a massive educational process for what I would eventually end up doing. I didn't know that at the time when I was just 25, 26, 27 years old on that stuff. But looking back now, those are just a couple of verses that I faced early in my career. I was in my 20s. And those were very, very formative experiences that happened. And I look back now in my career as a trainer, as a coach, as a body worker, so much of that is because of experiences like that. Um, when I started my business, I had no money, no, no clients, no business plan. Like literally, like I didn't have anything in the bank. I'm like, let me start a business. Uh, not a great idea, right? But I had a desire and a will to help people. And that will exceeded all of the things that traditional wisdom would say, you can't do that. When I told people what I was going to do, they're like, that's not going to work. What do you mean you're going to have a studio? Because in year 2000, it was only big box gyms that existed. There weren't studios on that. Say, no, I want to have a studio that's 2,000 square feet where people come and train and pay for one-on-one training, but we don't have memberships where people come in and just train on their own. People are looking at me cross-eyed like, you're crazy. And maybe I was, but at the same time, I was tapping into my intuition and my gut that that's what I was supposed to do. And one of the lessons that I've learned through adversity is the more I can listen to my gut, 
the better I'm going to be. And that's hard because most of us live in our head. When you can tap into your gut, your intuition, and you have that feeling, those are the whispers that are just quietly whispering to you. We often hear the shouts. The shouts I look at as ego. The shouts are ego telling you what you should do and you're listening to that or you're looking at social media and you're comparing yourself to everyone else instead of looking inside of you and listening to that little voice that should be guiding you to where you're supposed to be going. And when you do that, then there's infinite wisdom within. Oh, that's no small point. <laughs> so I forget what the original question was about success. Well, yeah. But I didn't want to go over I didn't want no, to neglect that. No, the turbulence is important. I'm really glad that you brought that back up. And and I think that kind of that highlights the point that just sort of that came to me from that is the darkest teacher concept. You know, I mm-hmm. think often if you if you experience some, you know, loss or something like that early on in your life, then it really does help you you know, reframe what's important or be able to identify, you know, well, maybe taking a risk on starting a small business is not the end of the world, right? There Mm -hmm, are bigger mm -hmm. things that can go wrong in life. Right, right. Right. Okay, great. So then the next question was about the strategies. So the strategies and the routines that you use, because you are such a high performer, you know, what do you do? What are you, what are you relentless about? Or what do you make sure that you get in your, in your day other than that, call it yellow mellow time or blue sky time. So what are the other things that you do that help keep you uh, such a high performer. I think there's several things strategy wise. Uh, number one, my early morning routine is absolutely essential. The early morning routine for me is what sets the day on fire. Mm-hmm. If I don't have the early morning routine intact, then I know the rest of the day there's going to be a lot of chaos that I can't control that I'm just like, I'm in reactive mode versus proactive mode. So I think the early morning routine is something that's critical. Typically between five and 7 a.m., I call it the holy hour, even though it's like two hours, uh, is just the time to fuel up. It's gratitude time, it's journaling time, it's just literally getting quiet time. I find the more quiet time that one gets early in the morning, um, then you can listen and tap into that strength within because it typically doesn't happen once the day gets going. Once you start training clients, once you start, you know, just reacting to the things in a day, it's tough to do. So nutrition, when you look at, you know, things that are important, my own nutrition, when I'm eating clean, then my energy's on fire. I feel great. When I'm working out, I feel great. So I have a routine and I write that out. I think it's important. Another aspect that's important is getting rid of energy vampires in your life. I'm very protective of my energy and who I spend time with and what I allow to to, to, to be taken in. So does that mean that I'm going to be around people sometimes that are negative? Uh, all the time, <laughs> right? There's people all the time. But I also learned in massage therapy school when I went in 1995, which you've got to envision literally like a white bubble around you that you're not going to always let people into your space, but as you light up your own space, then you could project that out into the universe. So for me, I'm very protective of who I spend my time with uh, so that I don't absorb that negativity or energy. Now, we have a lot of negative energy in the world today, and that's one of the reasons why I think there's so many great coaches that are needed around the globe. It doesn't matter what country we live in. Um, the world needs more great trainers and coaches, but it's also the responsibility of a trainer and coach to get the time for themselves because it's dangerous if you're always giving and giving and giving your energy. Soon, you're going to feel like you're just completely wiped out dry burnt out and that you've been like literally sucked sucked out of a fire hose uh, <laughs> on that. So for, for me, I think it's really, really important to try to get your own time to put it into yourself and be careful who you spend your time with. Lastly, I'll end with this when you say a couple of your routines. 
So many times people talk about their, their morning routine, but I think your nighttime routine is really important as well because your nighttime routine actually allows you to hopefully get a great night's rest. So that typically starts about an hour before where you actually cut out electromagnetic devices, where you actually read a good book, or if you've got stress or anxiety, literally taking out a journal and writing in your journal of all the things you're grateful for. Like you can do that every single night and you can write down the same things that you're grateful for. It doesn't need to to change every single night. But when you go to bed with gratitude on your mind, I believe that your mind is at ease. You can breathe deeper. You don't have such stress and tension your parasympathetic nervous system is going to induce relaxation much greater and you can sleep and you can recover so you wake up early in the morning more revitalized. So you find that nighttime routine that works for you and when you do that, it ultimately comes down to discipline like uber discipline of your 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 routine that works for you. I think everyone wants to be great, but a lot of times we don't have the discipline to do the things that we want to do. We say that we want to be great, but people are out boozing or socializing and, and not living the lifestyle that one should live. I think there needs to be congruency of your core values and how you live your life as well. When you define core values of what you're made up of and the five things that you are, are non-negotiables for your life, you've got to abide by those things. Otherwise, you don't have the congruency of of what you say you do and actually how you do it. When you actually do what you say you do, then all of a sudden, like I believe that universal energy and flow Mm -hmm. is much smoother. How do you let those five values dictate or determine the type of work opportunities that you have pursued or that you take on when they're offered to you? How do they align with the core values? Yeah. Well, I think when you look at any relationship, any relationship, whether it be personal or business, you want to align with people Mm -hmm. that align with your core values, right? So if you're working with uh, companies that don't align with your core values, you're not going to be happy. You're serving someone that doesn't have similar beliefs as yourself. So for me, in both my personal and my professional relationships, regardless of the type of relationship, I want to spend time with companies or people that I love doing business with or I love being around because we're after the same thing or we're purpose-driven versus money-centric or profit-driven. Like we all want to make profit in business, but at the same time, I'm more purpose-driven than profit-driven because I think when you find your purpose, then you find profit. To me, money is energy and it comes and it goes. People have these hang-ups about money and like everyone wants more money, but like what does that really mean? That to me, means you want more energy and how do you get your energy right because when your energy is flowing and it's right and it's simpatico then I think it flows so there's times in life when you have money there's times in your life when you don't have money but that doesn't make you happy and someone has been around a lot of people with a lot of money and working with billionaires billionaires and millionaires that doesn't make someone happy it's nice to have money I've been around poor people that are extremely happy I think what's ultimately most important is that when you find purpose and you can create profit, you can do great things with money to create energy, ultimately to tap into your potential or other people's potential so they can make the world a better place to live. And the point on purpose there, I think, is really important. You know, there'll be there'll be people listening to this podcast that might be new or young trainers. Maybe they're, they're trainers because they, they want to make a difference and they enjoy it. But maybe there's also a part of them that is still trying to find that purpose. So what advice would you have for mm. them on how they can, you know, how they can do that? How can they find purpose if they're not sure if they're in the right direction at the moment? Soul search. Ask questions 
find mentors, find mentors where you can say, what do you see in me? What gifts do you see in me? See, I think affirmation is really important. Like people like to be affirmed. So if I said, Alicia, you do a great job interviewing people. You really have a gift to get something out of people. You hear that. And if enough mentors or people tell you that, you're like, you know what? I'm pretty good. Mm. And all of a sudden you start believing yourself. You start carrying yourself differently. It's like telling a kid, now I've got a 15, 13 and 10 year old kids. Like when you affirm them and all of a sudden their confidence starts to grow and their self-esteem grows, all of a sudden their, their posture changes. They start changing literally the wiring in their head. Like that's a really critical thing. And adults are no different than kids. So I think how you find that is you spend time soul searching and seeking out people that have been there, done that, and maybe even still doing it. And you, you dive into your own personal growth. Like you, for me, I've always attended live workshops where I, I go away for two, three, four, seven days, literally, and work on my life. And now like I, now I conduct these types of mentorship programs, but I still go to them as well. Like I'll put them on for typically trainers and, and fitness professionals, but for my own, for my own self, I'm always working on this myself because even when you get to a certain level, like now I feel in so many ways, like there's so many deeper levels that I can go to that I haven't even tapped into yet that it's going to take, it's going to take some massive leaps. But that's no different than when I was 25, 30 years old, thinking about what my next step was going to be in, in life and starting a business with no clients, no money, no business plan. So regardless, I think sometimes people say, oh, if I only had this, if I only had that. No, no, no. That's not good thinking. That's stinking thinking. Say, where I am at today is a perfect place. And what do I need to do to continue to grow and really embrace the process and that's going to propel me forward. When you can do that and get in the right mindset, put yourself around an inner circle of people that believe in you, give you feedback on the things that you need to hear, not that you want to hear, then I believe then you could be all that you're supposed to be. It sounds to me like you're the kind of person that probably just sees the opportunity in every experience <laughs> that comes around. And I can't imagine you're the kind of person that has regrets, right? But my question to you is, if you were to go back to the Todd Durkin that started a business with no money, no clients, hmm. you know, no plan, what would you do differently or what advice would you give back to that person from, from 2000? Wow. Wow. Great question right there. Yeah, I, I, I don't typically look back and say, man, I wish I would have done something differently. I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't systemize my business way back in the day like I should have. Like I was so passionate about training. I literally would have competitions with my fellow trainers of who could train the most people in a day. And like I would do 13 and then, you know, one of my trainers would do 14. I'm like, darn it, I lost. I got to do 15. And I'd be up from like five in the morning till nine o'clock at night, seven days a week training people. And that wasn't the, probably the smartest thing to do, but I was competitive as well. And the whole time I loved training, I wasn't paying attention to the business side of things. So even though we were quote busy and within two years of that, I had 18 trainers. So life was good and business was good. Um, I wasn't paying attention to the financials. And we actually ended up getting ourselves in a little bit of a pickle and uh, going close to $20,000 with accounts receivable, people that owed us money that they were way in the hole, months in the hole. That was a major mistake because I didn't have my eyes on that. I thought because I love training and we were busy, that's successful. From a business standpoint, you've got to wear different hats. 
And I wasn't the leader I needed to be at that point. I was a great trainer, but I wasn't leading the way my business led to, needed to be led. So I think that would be one quote mistake that I would always uh, look back and say, man, I wish I would have worn a different hat sometimes and not trained 14, 15 hours a day uh, to do that. I think that's one thing. Another thing I think that's important, especially in today's day, is every few years is to reinvent yourself. Right. Like and here's the thing I often say, I'm saying it on the conferences is like, you know, success traps are harder to get out of than failure traps. If you stink at something, then you got to change. It's easy to get out of that. But when you're successful, then you you just want to keep doing the same thing. And while I believe in replicating success, I believe there are times when we need to cycle our successes and reinvent and recreate so we can keep growing on that. And I think some of the successes I've had in even 18 years of business at Fitness Quest 10 is that we've got to continue to reinvent ourselves because in this industry, it's constantly changing. It's evolving. When I look at the future of where this industry is growing and going, it's amazing the opportunities that are out there for any trainer, regardless of whether someone's just getting in this business or if someone's been around for 30 plus years, there are so many opportunities, but you have to create those opportunities, but you got to keep reinventing yourself and growing yourself. If you're stuck in the same thing you were doing in your 2000 or 2005 or even 2010, you could get swallowed up. Wow. So what would you think then is, you know, you, you kind of have listed a bunch of things You've covered the morning routine, yep. you've covered the headspace, the mindset, the creating space in your day. You've created, you know, there's so many different pieces that feel like they fit into making someone successful. And mm. I use that term in inverted commas because it can be, that can be whatever you want it to be, but to make them a high performer, what else, what are the final things that you would say someone needs to, to know or be aware of or to consider in order to be able to reach that point? Well, I think it's constantly working on yourself. It really is that. Here's the thing. If you're a trainer listening today, you got to win the caring game. Like you got to, you got to care. You got to, you got to care more than the 30 other businesses in your town or your city because the competition is keen these days. So how do you differentiate yourself? It's not in getting into a price war and cutting your prices. That's the worst thing you could do. I would say you'd actually want to increase your prices and then deliver a value that surpasses the price that you set. How do you do that? You care more. You truly, genuinely care more about your clients, whoever they are, young kids, moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, the senior market, uh, whatever market you serve is find your niche and then care more. That allows you to establish a culture in your business that creates a community because people are attracted to community. They want to feel like they belong to something. Well, how do you create that? And I know I take great pride at Fitness Quest 10, my gym, in creating that. It's you got to win the caring game. And is that easy? Well, it's easier said than done because when you get busy and you just kind of get in your own world and you've got a team of people that you work with regardless of your role and everyone's doing their own thing, that also takes leadership. And you got to make sure all the systems are in place to make sure from the time someone walks into the gym and they're greeted by their first name and they get high fives and they get lots of smiles and they have an experience where they feel just ignited with positive energy, that's magical. 
But how do you replicate magic day in and day out? It's easy to have one great class because you feel great that one day. But how about doing that every time that you're on the, the floor teaching a group exercise class or you're doing a one-on-one -on -one session or small group training or a large team training class? Um, how do you do that day in and day out? And how do you take a 23-year-old trainer or a 65-year-old trainer and have the same experience delivered because of the passion and the energy inside of someone and, and make sure that the customer really gets a great experience. Along with that is making sure that the customer is the hero and not you. And I think when we look at culture, we look at, you know, the things as far as being successful is, uh, I think early on in my career, you know, I was an athlete and I was always like, you know, it's about you. No, it's not about you. What I learned is it's about the customer. It's about the person coming in who is coming in typically scared and intimidated into your gym. As trainers, as athletes, we're typically very comfortable in the gym. But when someone is 30 plus pounds overweight, they've never stepped foot in a gym in years, they're not comfortable in the gym. So how do you allow them to come in and take some deep breaths and relax? and realize and put comfort and security into them that everything's going to be okay. And then you actually go through the process and they enjoy the process. They fall in love with that. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, man, I have a whole new lifestyle. That to me is impact. And uh, those are the things we've got to remember is making the member or the client the hero, not ourselves, not the trainers. And that's tough because this is an ego-driven business, right? And and I think that's a really important aspect for anyone listening in is while we all need ego to be successful, we can never let ego lead us, right? So we can't let the ego out in front. We've got to allow ourselves to stay strong inside, but we've got to constantly put our, our client in front of us. One of the tips I learned from one of the folks I learned from when I was rehabbing from my back injury in the mid-1990s taught me a, a lesson that I still use today. Early in the morning when I'm actually using my gratitude time, if you can think about all of the people that you're going to work with throughout the day, both training them, maybe you have a leadership meeting, maybe you have a team meeting, maybe you're going to be meeting with someone outside in the corporate fitness world. Imagine the person that you're meeting with and literally see them in your, in your mind and channel energy to them and feel them and see them and pray for them. And, and if you can do that and there's seven or 10 or 20 or 50 or a hundred people that you're connecting with that day, watch what happens when you actually see them and how you connect with them and all of a sudden how the energy shifts in that. And at the end of the day, reflect upon those people that you touched and think about the highlights of your day. What were the highlights? What were the conversations that were actually meaningful in your day? What uh, did you learn from that day? Because when you can reflect upon your day, you actually learn some lessons and it puts you in a state of now, a state of, of presence, which typically is missing today because we're always on our phones on, on social. And if we can just take some deep breaths and relax and be more present in our conversations, like then you're winning the game of changing lives. And most times those other 39 gyms down the street are not as good as you. They might be better marketers than you, but they're not as good as you. If you're doing the things I say that are important to do and taking time on yourself and investing in you and your business and all that stuff, then it's your responsibility to share that with the world by caring more and then changing lives. I just got really excited when you were talking about that because I just know that the people listening to this are going to be so pumped up 
not only by your delivery style, the way you talk, but also you, you, this is so genuine for you. Like this is just coming from a place where you absolutely love what you do. There's no ego behind it. it. I can see it just radiates out of you. So that's amazing. Like, I hope everyone can 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 get even like a fraction of what you have. Well, I, I, I think what happens is early on in your career, you feel like you have something to prove, right? And, and, and people walk around the gym like they've got something to prove. And I think the more someone could be authentic and genuine to who they really are, the better they will be. But we get stuck in our heads that we have to be someone that we're not. If you're a trainer listening in today, get rid of all of the layers that are holding you back. That if you feel like you have this armor on, you feel like you have this weight on your shoulders, you don't have to be anyone but you. And when you share that, all of a sudden, clients and members and people start getting attracted to you because they see who you really are. That's what I was saying earlier on. Like when people have been through tough times, have had transgressions, they've they've been through hell and back. All of a sudden, people are like, I've been there. I know that. I didn't know you had that. They connect with you. They whether it be injury, divorce, depression, whatever it may be, drugs, alcohol, addiction. When people have been through that, and now they're in a coaching role or training role, people that have experienced that, or families that have experienced that, all of a sudden now come out of the woodwork because you understand. Now, now you can change lives because people want to trust you. They might like you, they might know you, but they've got to trust you. And when you walk down that path and you have the courage and audacity to actually share that, well, now now you're again, you're, you're a major game changer. That's impact. Wow, that's huge. I'm gonna, one last, one last question sure. for you. Obviously leadership is something that's so important to you. Do you have any quotes or mottos or phrases or concepts that have really resonated with you in your quest to be a better leader and to help other people become good leaders? Any quotes? Yeah, quotes, things you've read or concepts that you've come across. How much that... time do you have? You can <laughs> I can go on and I know, on. I I'm a quote guy. I've got a lot of, <laughs> Same, a lot of quotes. Look. I mean, it depends what we're talking about. When it comes to leadership, mm-hmm. I think, you know, a leader of one, a leader of many, if you can't lead one, you can't lead any. You've got to lead yourself first. When you can lead yourself then you can lead other people. I think that's an important aspect. I think that's that's on the leadership side. One that I really love and I think is important and hopefully everyone listening in today has relatively good health, but he or she who has their health has a thousand dreams. He or she who did not has one. So if you don't have your health, you got one dream, your health. You get diagnosed with cancer, you had a heart attack or stroke, there's only one thing on your mind. It's no longer about the things that you're stressing about today. It's about Damn, I got, I got to get through this. I got to live. So again, gratitude for health. And I think the one that probably most resonates with me and it sits on my computer in Luke 16, it talks about, uh, too much is given, much is required. Yeah. That's, that's the one that speaks to me because I think all of us have gifts. And I think sometimes people don't see the gifts that they have inside of them. And I often remind myself of like, what's God calling me to do? And I have specific gifts that I need to get out. And too much is given, much is required. All of us have requirements. And are you living up to the the duties that are called to you? So I think it's important that one taps into their spirit. One taps into their heart and listens, um, not just in their head, but in their heart and in their hara, their gut. And I always talk about the three he- the three H's, the head, the heart, the hara. Hara is the gut. And when you can listen to those those three H's, then I think you can really tap into the requirements uh, for your life. 
Wow. So if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about your work that you're doing, your speaking, your training, Fitness Quest 10, all of that stuff, where can they do that? The easiest and best thing probably is to go to my website, toddurkin.com. That's all my speaking schedule, wherever I am around the world, uh, here in Australia. By the way, it's great here in Australia. I'm really enjoying my time, but I'm all over the, the world on that speaking-wise, my books and products. I also love social media, Instagram on that, Facebook. Just go to my website, but my Instagram is at Todd Durkin, and uh, I do stories, and I do uh, posts, and I share my family a lot. Sometimes, like, you know, some people just put business. I share a lot about my life of where I'm at, and uh, by all means, I am not perfect, but I'm always sharing with what I'm what I'm doing and, uh, you know, the, the different things that I'm up to to help create impact in people's lives. Well, you're definitely doing that. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute honor to talk to you. And I know that everyone that's listening to this will be able to take so much. So thank you so much, Todd, for joining us on Fitness Industry Podcast. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. To grow the success of your fitness business, learn from the industry experts in Network's online course, Tactical Strategies for Fitness Business Success, accredited for CECs and other professional development points. Go to the Network website, select the Courses tab, and click on Fitness Mastery Series. Members of Australian Fitness Network save 25% on this course, so go to fitnessnetwork.com.au to grow your fitness business. And for face-to-face learning, remember that network members also save on standard rates for Phylex, the fitness industry convention.